0: Namotasa bhagavato rahado samma sambuddhasa Namotasa bhagavato rahado samma sambuddhasa Namotasa bhagavato rahado samma sambuddhasa Uddang namang sangham namasami <laughs> so, I remember when I first um, came to Britain and I was talking with Ajahn Sumato and he'd been then he'd been a bhikkhu I think for 12 years and I thought well he's been meditating all this time and he still has to do it he can't have got very far can he surely you should just kind just of do a few months of it then you've learnt it and that, that's the end of it why do you have to keep doing it <laughs> myself I thought probably a few months would be enough to get it all sorted out, and then go on to chapter two, or the next bit. Uh, but uh, with practice you begin to really understand why it, 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 it's, a, it's a dynamic process. Dhamma, living, living Dhamma is a dynamic process, you're always meeting the moment, the new moment, or it never really finishes. You're meeting the new moment, the moment that arises when it's dependent upon external conditions such as people around you, um, situations in your life, busyness, quietness, um, distress um, dependent on external circumstances, internal processes, um, emotional things, um, the way that uh, we sense ourselves mm. always meeting that. So it's a uh, as this, this as this uh, things are rising, as they arise they can either crystallize into self and the world, where there's always some kind of Precarious balance of how I get on and what I have to hold on to and what will be the future for me and what will other people think and things like that. As things arise, they either crystallise in that way where we feel slightly tense, anxious, uh, fixed or hardened in some way, or as they arise, they can be released. You know, where the the result is a quality of of um, Lightness, joyfulness, fluency, brightness, compassion, kindness—these kinds of things are, the, are what accompany the release of conditions. Thing, when conditions arise and they're not held, the release of them is, is happy, blissful. It gives us clarity. It gives us you know, So that that's the result that you can you can discern. So we're living in this way, you're always living at that edge of things arising. Which way is it going to go? That's why it never ends, as long as there's arising. Hmm. Everything's a test to see what you'll do, which way it's going to affect you. When, you hold, when something holds on or something releases, And you can find all kinds of patterns that you can recognize and ways of remembering when we hold on, when the holding on occurs associated with fear, uh, anxiety. What will happen if? Will I be overwhelmed? Will I be hurt? Will I be abused? Whether it's gain, loss, praise, blame, happiness, unhappiness, uh, renown and ignominy these are called the worldly winds and these are things uh, these winds arising these kind of senses make the whole thing uh, more tricky and precarious which way is it going to go this is called the world will I be able to tighten up and crystallise into something that's pleasant fortunate or will I End up stuck with something that's difficult, painful, humiliating. Mm. I defend myself if I can skip that one, if I can duck out of that one, if I can do a deal here, if I can. You know, these are the kinds of twitches that happen in the heart. Um, Keep us busy, don't they? And the end end result of this. not quite managing that edge is a a slightly restless, dis-ease dukkha where you don't feel really settled and calm and comfortable in your space. You feel there's something you've got to hold on to, something you've got to prepare, an escape route, you've got to have planned um, strategies, some way of getting out, some way of getting your little happy bit somewhere, you know. And our lives are often uh, strategized around these kinds of experiences. We've got little safe places and little pleasure places and little tokens of of, of uh, esteem, kind of at, within arm's reach. for when the when the stuff hits, and you quick get one of those, go and see so-and-so, switch on that. you know These are the kind of things that that happen in subtle ways. In not so subtle ways, <coughs> and it's uh, it's it's um, difficult to to really let go of those because they do provide a kind of an insurance. Mm. And it's can be uh, quite subtle effects of can I turn a deaf ear to that one? Hmm. Yeah, that gets me off it. Just going to not not hear that bit. So some of the uncomfortable things that come up, we can cock a deafen at, as they say, turn a blind eye to. Or it's somebody else's problem. That 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 can also take us away. There's a there's a, a kind of selective numbness, selective deafness. <coughs> views and opinions, we can get, uh, these can help, sometimes the mind jumps to those, it shouldn't be this way, it should be that way. Rather, So we can go into something that feels righteous, or gives us a sense of confidence, gives us some some sense of stability, We've got a view and opinion about the way things should be. Uh, we don't have, don't have to really acknowledge the uncomfortable sense of really not having um, ground in this world it is a risky place it is a, a, a teetering kind of place and every the instinctive nature wants to jump and hold the secure place the safe place the place where I won't be got at or bothered or dragged out or revealed hmm. hurt in some way so in fact this is so instinctive it's not a voluntary or a personal matter it's not that bad people do it and good people don't do it it's 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 in there you know it's genetic. It's hormonal. It's a nervous system. That does that? You know, you, you poke a body and it twitches and it tightens. You fall over and the body braces against that. You sitting in your car and uh and uh, uh, snow on the on the bonnet of the car comes against splashes up against the windscreen. You blink. You know? You know, you know, there's glass there. Still, your body does that. It tenses up. Somebody shouts, and you feel yourself jump. It's not a this this tightening uh, is not not a voluntary thing. It's an instinctive thing. Save me. Let me not be hurt. And that happens even when the body itself is not threatened. You can feel that same effect. And so, the shouting or people saying abusive things, you can feel your body tightens up. Mm-hmm. Nothing's affecting your body, it's affecting the heart or the mind. And your body just receives that message this is not safe, and it tightens up. And it can be this. this so, when you, you begin to contemplate this effect, just as, as an effect. Not as a personal statement, <clears throat> and how we can what do we need, what's needed for that to to come out of this is it this state, and to recognize it is not just unpleasant, sometimes it's actually quite pleasant, you know when you get locked into something that's got some boost in it uh, it's pleasant at the time being. But we're trapped. We're not agile. We're not loose. We're not free. There's no space. We're on track with something. We're actually out of control. We're actually hooked onto something that's carrying. Yeah. And this is even the case when we've we've locked into something that's happy and buoyant and pleasant. You know, when you lock into it, you don't want. One doesn't want to let go of it wants to be in that and cruise on that and then of course if, it's this, this, if that cruise is terminated we feel disappointed and irritated so you know you see how the, even the pleasantness of holding on is actually unsatisfactory and yet we still do it we must have been through this a thousand times and even when one receives teachings on it one still does it but in perhaps more subtle ways holding on to spiritual ideas or religious views holding on to uh, privacy in private places Holding on to states of mind, holding on to little bits of status, of some kind. So letting letting go is actually very uh, a very demanding practice. The real letting go. because it uh, has to go against those instincts perhaps first of all we learn to let go of the idea that we don't have those instincts we stop uh, pretending we stop deceiving ourselves that's great even that much is really great that's a bit of letting go so then you're prepared to to attend to the anxiety or the panic or the holding on or the shutting down. What is this? What's happening? Hmm. And you see that actually letting go requires holding. Not exactly holding on, but holding or being held. Yeah, held with awareness held with tenderness, held with patience, held with this beautiful firmness that's not savage or harsh, but just held carefully. And in the holding carefully, holding tenderly, holding clarity, something in us starts to feel that and we begin to relax. Relax. Coming out of, of panic, just like as if somebody's just putting their hand on your shoulder when you're in some kind of panicking state and you can just feel that steady presence in you, not judging, not being judged, not being told to snap out of it, but you've got something to navigate towards, some sense can navigate towards that steadiness, that gentleness in you. Ah. You come out of the trap, out of the trance. It's almost something, you know. This is occurring through your nerve endings, not just as an idea. Letting go requires holding, being held is why we take refuge. To be homeless you have to have a refuge. And uh, homelessness really at the deepest level means you haven't got a, you're not finding a place in the world, in these worldly winds. So as a, as a moment by moment practice, it's not, homelessness is about not establishing a fixed place. In accordance with these worldly winds, mm. not pitching one's tent on gain mm. or loss. And that is why the you know, basic Buddhist practice is about. Refuge, and more than an act of faith, a real increasing ability to get a sense of that where we feel held without being shut down, where you feel comfortable, where you feel allowed, where your madness is allowed to be. You can the panic and the madness, the anxiety can actually receive something that is here, this is this. You don't have to be in that, there's this. So it's not um, a letting go into nothing. The uh, it's sometimes called the deathless element or the nirvana element and that gives you That very phrase gives you a sense of something substantial, even though it's, uh, there's no substance, but it it gives you the sense it's not about vacuity or hollowness or just dropping out. There's some presence that you feel you can release yourself into, otherwise you actually don't release. What we do when we don't have that refuge is we bounce, we bounce and deflect and ricochet. So we, we either, something difficult happens and we a mind jumps the other way, or it blocks it, or it pretends it isn't happening, it goes somewhere else, it shuts down, or hardens up, throws it back, defensive behaviour. We can get quite aggressive. Yeah. In, in a, in not necessarily a physical way, but snappy, tetchy, snarly, no. No. short, dismissive, mental, emotional aggression, blaming, criticizing, snapping, snarling, sniping. No. And so you feel sort of bristling physically, the heat coming up in the body. It's that instinctive. So, you know, letting go is, goes past that. So if you're just letting go by dismissing something, that's not letting go. If you're letting go by shrugging it off, that's not letting go. If you're letting go by shutting down and not attending to something, that's not letting go. Oh, I've let it go. It means I've forgotten it. That's not letting go. That just means ignoring it, forgetting it, dumping it, shrugging it off. That's that's one of the fundamental ways of of defending oneself, to shrug. Your problem. Yeah. So we may call it. I've let let go of my problem, my concern with it. <laughs> I've let go of being responsible for that. But that's that's, you know, a turtle does that. A tortoise does that. There's nothing particularly uh, skillful about that kind of letting go. Anybody can do that. Real letting go is is accompanied by something in our hope, in our in our instinct relaxes. The instinct can be accompanied by hope, wish, desire, desire for security, uh, desire for not knowing the future, desire to get things fixed, desire for progress, you know, something that relaxes and we recognize that progress and security are not needed We're because that letting go is into that which has no progress, it doesn't need progress, it doesn't need security because it stands in its own confidence its own assurance awareness deathless element these are terms that can be helped to indicate this is known, talked about, referred to by the Buddha you know it for yourself letting go, that kind of letting go is accompanied by risk by a feeling of edge going, can it, is it possible oh well you know, giving up, relinquishment and then the relief and the release relief and release from ourself remember when I uh, Broke my arm a few years ago. Now I was going to a physiotherapist to get this arm fixed, and I had to do various. Um, when they actually, you know, knit, got the bone stuck knitted together again, and all the the muscles needed to be re um, built up again, and the whole shoulder had to be had to learn what it was and what had to operate because it had been. The bone had been broken, so the thing had been in plaster for several weeks. So I had to go to a physio and things like lifting a weight up and putting it down, just to get the arm, the shoulder to function properly. And the physiotherapist told me, "Well, actually picking things up is much easier than putting them down." <laughs> you know the muscles that are required to, to actually let the arm come down are far more complex and evolved and uh, and intelligent than the ones for picking up. Picking up is easy. Letting it down is difficult. Because letting it down means a gradual relaxing and releasing. And um, in that we... There's always that the body has to sense, is it safe? Is it okay? The speed of letting go, because if you if you let go of your arm, suddenly it can can hit something. Uh, If it's in pain, it might get damaged. It might drop the thing you're trying to put down carefully. So the whole sensitivity to putting something down is actually much more finely attuned than to just picking something up. I remembered that, because that's what letting go is like. It's much more subtle and uh, intelligent and holding on. Holding on is instinctive. Letting go is not instinctive, it's not a shrug, it's not a, a gimmick, it's not a strategy. It requires sustained awareness. We might say that it's like the qualities of faith, santha, virya, energy, particular kind of energy, Sati, mindfulness, that which brings us into the present. Samadhi or that focus, concentration, and panya or discernment. These are the the attributes, the things that hold the letting go. They moderate it. I mean there's a without that we don't let go, we just conk out or collapse or dump. There's no profit, there's no benefit in that. when you cultivate the meditating going meditation as you all know it requires a lot meditation is about being very present in your body aware of your body having the body balanced so the body is held in a poised way but it's held in quite a careful way so there's not a tremendous amount of muscular effort required, just finding the balance where the body will sit. And then the very processes of the body support it, like the breathing. Actually the full breathing regulates the bodily posture. Breathing in tones you up and lifts, breathing out relaxes, and that that continuing steady presence acts as a core presence around which the body's energies begin to revitalize and form a, a, a subtle shape. So you begin to sense the subtle, subtle form of the body, the energetic form of the body, and then you, your awareness tunes to that, so that uh, the physical form acts as a place where this subtle form arises. And as your awareness attunes to that, the physiological effects and the effects of attention begin to blend. And you get this sense of the mind, body, you know, blending together into something that has a certain um, holding power. And it holds... um, Essentially, it, it has a comforting, steadying effect. so it very much holds and comforts and stabilizes the, the heart or the chitta, where the emotional and reactive and reflexive energies occur. A jump, a twitch, a collapse, our, our jangle is in the chitta, the heart. The thinking mind, you know, cooks up the, the topics and the reasons about that. But the actual business of that is in the heart. And you can't, um, you can't let go of the emotions through thought. You can't let go of that. You can't relax the, the emotional stuff, the jangle, the busyness, the tension, the stress, the agitation, just by thought. So it's very frustrating when you recognize as an idea that you should be calm and don't worry about that now and just release that and let go of that. And it doesn't happen. So if you try to approach it from this be this way, don't be that way uh, thinking, judgmental mind, what happens is you don't actually let go, but one creates a lot of judgments about... The busyness, you should, be, you should be quiet, you should shut up, you should be brave, you should be happy, you should be courageous, you should and that forms another kind of um, a pattern of distress. <coughs> it's heartless, isn't it? it doesn't, there's no refuge in that. Telling you where you should be is no refuge. So the the heart finds refuge in the body, not just the physical form, but this subtle body where you feel the nerves release and relax, where you feel a sense of steadiness and comfort. In meditation, being held by that is a place where the heart comes out of its panic a lot of the panic is, is just the basic sense that the heart has of being abandoned. You know, you're out here, help. There's stuff happening, help. It's like a frightened chicken running round, you know? And just rushing after it with a hatchet threatening to cut its head off to make it go quiet doesn't calm the little beast down. <laughs> just squawks and rushes and maybe hides somewhere the hidden heart is a terrible thing to live with. Your heart has gone numb. Hidden. Frightened to come out. Who wants to live with that? Yet that can be the that can be the choice. Just you know, don't feel anything shut down. It's safe, but it's joyless and lifeless. So how can the heart be present? Unless it's with these conditions arising, and these pain and loss and so forth, except there's something that holds it. we We can say hold it with awareness, but awareness that has been enriched through the process of meditation to have a of a strong tone, a strong, comfortable tone. This is what the body grants it. This is the bodily contribution to the whole phenomenon, experience of awareness. It's very important. The Buddha said, you don't taste the deathless unless you have mindfulness of the body. The deathless is lost on those who have no mindfulness of the body. That's a pretty clear statement, isn't it? This deathless element, that which can hold you, is not present if there's no mindfulness of the body. So sometimes I liken this uh, hold to being the way one would hold a a bird in both hands, cupped hands. And you're holding it in a way that is to protect it, to give it a place to sit. You don't want anything out of it. And you hold the whole thing. You know, you just hold a bird by one leg, that doesn't make it feel very comfortable hold it by the beak or the neck, you have to hold the whole thing and it's rather like that, feeling the whole body, the whole sense of that, what it is to be embodied and then the heart, the whole of it. If you get just trying to pick one little feature and hold on to that, it's rather like holding a bird by the tail or the wing, the rest of it flaps and flutters. And you have to grip it very hard. You hold the whole thing, and it's a certain distance is required, a certain spaciousness is required to get that sense of the whole thing. It's not a picking away at particular you know, features, but just you know what it's feel like. To, so you get the sense what it feels like to feel busy. What it feels like to feel scrambled. Mm. What it feels like to feel you know, resentment. or What it feels like to feel um, you know, bubbling or whatever it is. You just get the, the whole sense of that. Because it, and it's, to feel it is not to make a judgment out of it. Because the holding is that. It's not judgmental. There's no need to add anything more to it. That's, that's the simplicity of it, that's the simplicity of the mindfulness process. It's just one is aware, this is the heart affected by fear or joy. And the very quality of this awareness, this embodied awareness, has a steadying effect in its own right. Give it some time. The bird flutters and Squawks for a while and you know, it scrambles and it begins to feel comfortable, feel that what's around it is benevolent and comfortable. And it, oh, settles down. So, if you hold it, you may first feel the whole form, then you can feel the pulse, then you might feel, then as you hold it more closely or more carefully, you feel the warmth. You may feel the, the softness of the feathers, so it's a very fine kind of holding and it's sensitive. It's like this. And as you do that, as you hold some of the difficult things in your life, you must may feel the tremendous pushing and, and tumult of it, this is like the, 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 the movements of the bird and as you, hold, as you hold that carefully it begins to calm down and you feel, oh, there's something else here there's the life in it, the heartbeat and the softness of it so that we begin to recognize you know, our, our unskillful mental states arise from a heart that is basically uh, comfortable but it gets, it gets panicked, it gets thrown But you can't cut that out. You can't crush it, and you kill kill the thing. So that's the kind of holding. And doing it thoroughly, you feel how you know the anger, whatever it is, turns into uh, something like the need to defend. As you hold that more carefully, you feel how the need to defend comes from a place of Fear of being overwhelmed, fear of or being rejected or overlooked. You keep holding that and you feel the sense of underneath the fear the grief, the and grief and sadness. Holding that. You feel underneath that the tenderness, the sweetness. You kind of you can feel in through these patterns how our, our rage comes out of tenderness that's lost there's a huge amount of that in our lives loss of loss of heart contact. So when you meditate, it's rather like this, and and the faith is to recognize that this is enough. You know, know, trust it, this is enough. The mindfulness is just to stay with this, keep being present with this. The energy is what requires to keep holding the mind from running into something else and directing it back to this the concentration is staying with it, sustaining power and the discernment is to keep listening in and understanding the patterns that arise as they they arise understanding them as impermanent, changing understanding them as selfless it is like this this is the way that the world dissolves back into the heart the hardness relaxes there's something luminous and bright when you begin to understand that being held doesn't mean being throttled being held doesn't mean being trapped being held doesn't mean being judged. Being held doesn't mean losing freedom. But if you're held with awareness, it means the possibility to come out to be released, to let go. And it, it really supports the way the one's understands life and daily life, how we can be held by Conventions, by precepts, by responsibilities, by relationships, without holding on to them or being trapped in them. And this is is in our in our lives, our daily lives. This is a a further skill, and a skill that that complements and uh, deepens meditation. When am I holding on? to a position and when am I resting in it, aware of it, aware of a function or a job or a task and looking at or understanding my fears or panics or worries or pride and relaxing those. This is just the thing we do, this is just the thing we do. This is for the welfare of others. This is just something for the provide the four requisites. This is just something to tidy the place up. It's not it's nothing more than that, you yeah. know. So getting a sense of the the appropriateness of one's conventional life, how it fits, is very helpful because then that becomes a refuge. If you don't focus on conventional life, it tugs you back into the world through the worldly winds again, by dismissing it, rejecting it or seeking something in it. Actually it's just like this, on one level we live in the world, we live with places to, we need shelter, we need requisites, we need food, we need clothes. Just on that level alone, we need medicines. We need people. We need people. You yeah. at least you know, you're born, you need you need a person, you know, little helpless, sprawling tyke. You need something to get you into shape. As you grow up, you need people to understand how things are done, what's appropriate, who am I? As you get older, you need people to help you out. As you get very old, you need people. As you die, you need people. <laughs> yeah. Who looks after you when you're falling apart? People. Yeah. It's important to get that, that sense of it right. It doesn't mean... Uh, you know grasping at but a sense of uh, the blessedness of other human beings how we can sense them in that way you're not asking people to prop up your personality Hmm. but the way of relationship whereby you you respect and kindness for another person, because that's a person. That's that's what I am. You know. Sometimes the holding in conventions is called samvara, or which means restraint or being held. But it um, is essentially a kind of something that steadies and comforts. That's its aim. It's not a throttling kind of restraint. And the, the headings under which it comes are also useful to remember. It's called the uh, Sangvara, the Patimoka Sangvara, which is the the restraint in accordance with uh, what in monastic terms is called the monastic discipline. But When you begin to understand the monastic discipline, you see it refers to Uh, behavior, uh, non-violence, non-abusiveness, non-intoxication, non-threatening, non-manipulating, non 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 wheedling, non-cajoling, non-bullying, non-nagging, and things that keep you present, mindful. So it's really the Patimoka means the kind of thing that binds your life together. It literally means the thorough bond something we hold in common as that, those, those uh, virtues, those attitudes that um, do not support aggression, bullying, manipulation, wheedling, manipulating, um, anything of this nature. And they help us to live with a certain sense of, of dignity and respect. We held within that being held within that. When I'm held within that, I feel upright. I feel I'm here. And from that place I start to see other people in that way with respect. In conventional terms, it's the, it's the Patimokha is the thing that connects, makes it comfortable for the summoners and the lay people. It it provides their sense of relationship. It provides a relationship between the male and the female monastics, between the junior and the senior. So there's a sense of things that give rise to uh, non-aggression, non-manipulation, non-abuse, kindness. The possibility to be able to act in trusting ways be held by that rather than, if we're not held by that we tend to be held by power, status, uh, flattery, appearance, things of that nature, who's who's best, who's quickest, who's sharpest, who's strongest, who's prettiest, who's wittiest, who's funniest. And to you know, to, to take leave of that which is quite a common, quite a strong instinct in our socialization. And so I see this as actually having greater uh, meaning than purely some kind of, some order, you know, some monastic order, because monastic order isn't really what it's about. This is about training, training oneself, picking up conventions and modes of behavior to train oneself, not to form some clique or little club you know, that's better than anybody else and what's the point of that kind of thing, it gives you a it's just snooty or superior, or inferior depending where you see it or guilty, or whatever that's, who wants that? But as a way of laying aside some of these social instincts that may have such power and feeling this is what we're supposed to be doing, isn't it? This is the way we behave, isn't it? So I remember a, a, a businessman who came to see me and he. He said he, he determined years ago that he would only do business honestly. He would never um, do deals, never do anything shady in his dealings. And he'd always people, tell people straight how much something cost, and that was how much it cost, and there wasn't any, it didn't cost less than that or more than that, and there was no kind of um, uh, shady uh, corner cutting in it. And first of all, he lost quite a bit of business. Because other people were always able to do sharper, quicker deals than him, even though eventually the, the you know somebody had to pay the price of that. But then gradually he he got more and more business back because people knew this was someone they could be straight with, who'd tell tell them where something was. In certain part, you know, he'd kept his own practice, his own sense of worth and value present. He also found is. His, Customers and clients were more like friends than someone you could get something out of. Or, hmm. But the fact that you had to determine it gives you an idea just how 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 deep the kind of social game is that 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 you normally you know bluff and <laughs> and be slightly. duplicitous or you know exaggerate another kind of um, so what another kind of sangra or restraint is is the livelihood which connects to this livelihood which is um, appropriate that which provides you both with the physical means and also the the social means we need both of these to, to, to be alive, don't we? There's no point in just heaping up a mass of money if you're just surrounded by paranoia and fear and anxiety and, and no friends. You know, to keep alive you want to have a whole, you know, quality to that. <clears throat> like um, restraint according to requisites, what, what you actually need. Mm. Recognizing there are physical needs, things we need, and using that as something that you, you're clear and focused on. So this can be enormously helpful in coming out of the, the worldly winds, which are always wanting you to get something new or more or different or whatever and um, restraint in terms of the faculties, the sense faculties the eye, the ear, the nose, the tongue the thinking mind how much we talk what we talk about uh, what we see, what we read what we look at whether you watch television or not what we watch we could just recognising you can make this something that is clear and holds you or you get caught by can you use that as something that holds you in a place of dignity, steadiness satisfaction rather than being pulled out And you can practice that with even just visual consciousness. Having the eyes open and seeing what one wants to look at. Or see the eye races around. Just being able to maintain openness of the senses without grasping anything in particular. Or shunning anything in particular. Openness of the mind without grasping anything in particular or shunning anything. So you can meditate like that. It takes you back into the whole process of meditation, the process of awareness. So these are ways that do remind us that you know letting letting go requires holding, and holding is both on the conventional level, one's life, and the more intimate level, one's heart. Externally, internally, as your life changes, so it's a continuing process holding this, finding the balance where it becomes comfortable, settled. It takes a long while. There's so many deeply ingrained attitudes you have to be more, have more, do more, shut up, shape up, <laughs> you know, get it together, be this, be that, don't be this, you can know. feel those, you know, you're just sitting, still, walking, you feel those things, those energies. Feel them in your body. Simplest meditation is just to feel that as you stand, walk, sit, breathing in, breathing out. Anyone?